Hi, I'm Harry. I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. What some of you may not know is that's as hard for some of us to say as it is for many people to come into AA and say, I'm an alcoholic. Why would it be hard to say that you're grateful? Um, I'll get to that. How many of you heard Jane talk this morning? Jane said, one of the most chilling things I ever hear in the rooms. Now, it used to be when I first started Al-Anon, they recommended that we go to an open AA meeting every now and then, and it would just be the most horrifying thing. I'd be on a roller coaster. I'd come out, my knuckles would be white. I'd be just horrified. I'd be shaking. I'd be sweating. I'd have no idea what the speaker said. Uh, a woman that I who took care of me earlier on in the program. She said, you know, Harry, one day you're going to go to that meeting, you're going to fall asleep during a drunk log, then you know you'll be getting better. <laughs> but I didn't fall asleep while Jane was talking. I particularly didn't fall asleep when she said a particular thing that I think is very telling about this family disease of alcoholism. At one point she was talking about having been going to meetings for a long time and deciding to come to meetings and get honest with the group. And her partner at the time said, I wish you wouldn't do that. I wish you wouldn't do that. This disease is insidious. It is baffling. It is powerful. And it is not a disease that you catch alone. We, if we have a message in Al-Anon to you. It's that the disease is a family disease. You don't get it alone. You don't get alcoholism without me getting alcoholism. I don't have the same symptoms. I don't drink. I'm like Andrea or this morning, the Alateen speaker. I don't really like the taste of the stuff. I don't feel powerful when I drink it. I maybe just get a little relaxed and I never think about it. But I think about your drinking. I do. Believe me. Um, and just imagine, just imagine if you went to an AA meeting and all you saw was bottles out there. That's what I get to see when I get up here. I get to see opportunities to feel smug, cynical, and superior. I get to see opportunities to look at all of humanity as failure after failure after failure. I get to look at a whole sea of people and go, these people can't relate to me. Where did that get me? I grew up in an alcoholic family. I have a family of six kids. I'm going to tell you about the perfect family. Now, normally when you hear that, people laugh because, you know, we like to believe that there's no success in our families. But there was something about my family that actually was perfect. I don't know what it was. I can't tell you. By working these steps, I have memories all the time about the perfection, the absolute perfect enshrinement of the, the sunlight of the spirit, of the joy, the happiness and freedom that a family is supposed to be. Yes, there was blood on the floor. Yes, people puked. Yes, you know, all the horror stories that you've heard. But Alanon has allowed me, has restored me to a state of sanity. And sometimes in there, I can remember just laughing. I laughed as a kid. I did all sorts of things as a kid. My father 
was an absolutely wonderful man. He died when I was very young. He was flying a plane and he crashed the plane. Now, I don't know his story. I just remember him being wonderful. I do know that 25 years or so later when my mom died and I was finally able to go through the papers, I found the police report on, the death, on his death and he'd had an argument with friends about flying a plane the night that he took off and flew his plane and uh, crashed it and died. Now, you don't usually have an argument about flying a plane because it's an airplane. You have an argument about flying a plane because you're flying it. And he was a good pilot. I'm assuming, since he was leaving a party, that there was a good reason for him not to fly that plane. My mother apparently became uh, completely incapable of functioning, drank herself crazy, ended up in institutions. My oldest sister and I used to drag her around the neighborhood. Now, I'm not exaggerating. Um, I have a sister here who remembers once sitting up in the top floor of our house looking out as we brought mom home from my Aunt Irene's. We each had an arm and her feet were dragging through the snow, leaving a long track. You know, and the funny thing about this disease is nobody ever talked about that. Uh, my sister upstairs did not talk to us who dragged mom home, nor did my sister who dragged the other arm talk to me about it. Um, partly as a result of this family disease, I have another disease from head injuries. I have epilepsy. Now, I want to tell you, if you think alcoholism is not a family disease, I want to tell you about other diseases and how they work, because the symptoms are the same. Nobody talks about it. In my family, you could not talk about epilepsy. I could have seizures. If you happened to be around, you would know that I had that disease. If you were not, even though you were in my immediate family, you may not know what was going on. My oldest sister is a physician's assistant, and all the siblings got into program at some point or other. But some years after being in program, we were together, and we were walking through town. I said, I've got to stop by the drugstore and pick up my Delantin. She goes, you're what? I have to pick up my Delantin. She goes, you take Delantin? Yeah, I've taken Delantin for, I don't know, it's probably 25 years at that point. She'd never been around when I had a seizure, so I didn't have a disease. I did not have a disease. It's that easy to do with a disease that, I mean, it's, a, you know, it's as dramatic as alcoholism, and it's one you can really get a lot of sympathy for. I mean, if you play it, people are really anxious to, to give you a lot, of, a lot of play for that one. Um, oh, I'm good at that. I'm good at that. It's a great disease to have growing up as an Al-Anon. <laughs> um, my grandfather, you hear a lot, you know, it's, it's wonderful to come to meetings, open meetings of AA, and hear people talk about what it was like remember that people can recover, that we can go from being one kind of family to being another. Um, but I want to remind you, I didn't drink. I did everything the alcoholic did. Everything. I learned to speak in an alcoholic home. Consequently, I had slurred speech. I'm not making it up. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic home. Somehow, something happened to my brain. I had seizures and DTs. 
I promised myself at an early age I would never get involved with an alcoholic. I don't even need to tell you what happened there. Um, it says in the Odad at the bottom, we quote Psalms at the bottom of one of the pages, the thing I greatly feared has come to pass. The thing I greatly feared has come to pass. If you focus your attention on something, God's going to give you an opportunity to deal with it. It's going to come to pass in some way. My father crashed his plane when I was seven. My family being really kind of whacked out, the whole family gathered at the house. Nobody would tell the kids what happened. They were afraid it would hurt us <laughs> to find out that our father had died. Um, so they all got us locked in. We were locked in the house for several days, not allowed to go out. I guessed it. You know, leave it to the Al-Anon kid. I guessed it. So I went to my grandmother and said, I have a question. Is my father dead? She burst into tears and ran from the room. My grandfather sat me down and he said, you probably have some feelings about this. I'm glad to hear you all laugh because I, I, I tell you, I've told this story before and oftentimes people go, oh. I have to tell you, that moment was my first drink. That was my first drink. This disease, this family disease of alcoholism needed me I had to help the family maintain the disease. And I couldn't do that without some firepower. And that was firepower. You probably have some feelings about this. Now, why don't you go up to your room. If you need to cry, get over with it, because you are now the man of the family. Whoa, power. You know, you think, you think that these things just happen to people. That didn't happen to me. That was the same electric charge that the alcoholic feels with the first drink. That electric charge helped my sisters and brothers and my mother to drink. The symptoms have to be maintained by a family structure. Having said that a little bit, it's a, little, it's a weird concept. It is a weird concept because, you know, um, well, let me get around a little bit to how it may happen. Contrary to many people's opinion, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is not approved literature for Al-Anon. If you think about it for two seconds, you'll figure out why. <laughs> you know, the last thing you need is for the Al-Anon to be reading the big book and figure it out for you. <laughs> so... Beware. It's a great thing to read at a certain point in recovery. The last thing you want is for me explaining Alcoholics Anonymous to you. We do have the equivalent of a big book. That's it. This is it, folks. It's called A Merry-Go-Round Named Denial. It's written in the form of a three-act play. I think it's the title sort of a takeoff on a streetcar named Desire. I don't know how many of you have seen that. But it's a play about a woman who's very gothic and very dramatic, and it goes on for about three hours. And if you've been to program, you sit there going, 
is she'd stop drinking and we wouldn't have to sit through this play. Um, what you learn in a merry-go-round called denial is all our best efforts to help are essential for the disease to survive. The alcoholic drinks, for whatever reason, that's not my business. I berate, I abuse, I martyr myself, I do all sorts of things that help the alcoholic feel tense and guilty. How do you deal with that? You drink. That's it. Pick up this pamphlet if you can, and you'll find, you know, it's, it's, so, it's such a simple idea that it's really hard to get. We have a promise in Al-Anon. It's not from the big book. It's from our literature. And the promise is the family situation is bound to improve as we apply the Al-Anon ideas. It is bound to improve. We don't tell you it might improve. It could improve. We hope it will improve. We tell you it is bound to improve. This is a radical idea. It's a radical idea for us because it doesn't seem to the average Al-Anon that the family is getting better if we get better. And in fact, that's not exactly the whole picture, though you know, people will pretty much tell you that's the whole picture, but it's more than that. If you get a life If you start living some of the dreams that you had before you became, you know, someone who, who spends their whole life, you know, helping someone drink themselves to death, but by trying to get them, by covering up, by, by doing all the things we do. If you start to live for you, the family situation will improve. If you stop applying the right kind of pressure at the right time, we will tell you, and it's in this pamphlet, that recovery can often begin with a family member. When I walked into my first Al-Anon meeting, someone grabbed me and told me, if you come to meetings, there's a better chance that the people in your family can get sober. I don't know. I've, I've heard their stories since. I know when my mother died a few years after I started going to meetings, and when I went home, I, just, I made a big point of not bitching at my brothers and sisters about their drinking. Ten years later, they all pointed out to me what a weird effect that it had on them. It's radical. It's radical. Um... I got into Al-Anon through, actually it was Dear Abby. I'm serious, it's so, it's so painful and embarrassing. <laughs> I read a column, but I, I don't remember if it was Abby or Ann Landers, but it talked about people who had been affected by alcoholism. And I had some friends who had been affected by alcoholism. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to get literature for them. <laughs> you know. And I did. <laughs> I took all that literature home and I hid it. 
I hid it. I didn't like going in my bedroom for the longest time because I knew that literature was in there hiding, waiting for me, you know. Um, I knew it was badly written. I knew it didn't make any sense. And I knew that I was smarter than it, and I wasn't going to read it. But every week when that meeting time would come up, I wouldn't read the literature, but I'd go back. For two years, I went to a meeting. It was out in San Francisco. I stood in the back of the room. I came ten minutes late. I left ten minutes early. If that's what you can do, do it, because it worked for me. Um, did I get serenity? Not yet. Not yet. That's, that's a long time coming for me. But I got the dream of it. It became one of my dreams. All of a sudden I thought, boy, nobody ever suggested anywhere on the entire planet to me personally that serenity was a desirable thing. You know, um... Being loud, being dramatic, being deep, being, you know, bohemian, being crazy, being radical, you know, anything. But nobody had ever said, what about being calm? What about being peaceful? It was a weird concept. It was really weird. And I thought, I don't know that this is something I can put high on my list. But I do know that I'm miserable. Um, it's been really moving hearing the speakers here because, you know, when you come into Allen, and let's face it, you come in, it's them and it's us. It's like, I could tell the second anyone walked into my Allen, whether they were also members of AA, with about 99% accuracy. We do develop in different ways. That is just a fact. You know it. I know it. It's kind of weird sometimes. Today, I can't notice that difference. I don't notice that difference. I, I, I think of this triangle sometimes. I think we start out on the bottom edges, and as you work your steps, and as you get higher, and as you, you, you get more into conscious contact with a power greater than yourself, you get to a place where you're not different anymore. It's not about men or women, it's not about alcoholics or Al-Anons, it's not about what color you are, gay or straight or any of that. It's about conscious contact with a higher power and how all of you reflect that to me. Um, it was so interesting, it's been so interesting this weekend to hear people talk about what a bottom is, you know, because we tend to think that a bottom is the, you know, the degradation that's big enough to humiliate us um, into being good. And that's not what it was for me. What it was for me was going as low as I could go and finding I couldn't get away from God. It was finding that point in my life, and I couldn't have talked about it specifically this way, but how low was I willing to drag God with me? No, that God, I never went anywhere and I never did anything that God didn't suffer with me. Um, I want to talk a little bit about talking because it's a really interesting experience to come to a conference like this and talk. Where I live, um, maybe they do in AA, but uh, in Allen, nobody ever talks on and on and on. In fact, it's gotten people have gotten really weird in some ways. So, a lot of the meetings are timed now. There's this timekeeper who sits there. And when you start to speak, 
they click the watch and they stare at me. <laughs> you know, and at the, at, the, at, at your four minutes, it's usually four minutes, they click and they go, time. Um, it works. It works. I think it's a little funny. I think, you know, we develop in our, our various programs sort of quirks that really reflect who we are, given a chance not to work the steps. Um, so I'm not, I'm not used to this, or, you know, I'm not used to talking this sort of way. And of course I walk in and I do what we do. I do what we do. I don't belong here. I, I'm from New York. I, I don't understand these people. They're not going to understand me. Um, I probably do that every time I walk into a meeting, but it's very dramatic here. Then I try to counter with my pious side. It's like, well, anyone should get up there and talk. Why am I speaking? You know, I don't have anything special to say. Um, I do. I do have some really special things to say, but I'm not unique. I just have my story, and I've, t I've learned in this program not to feel ashamed of my story, not to want to close the doors on my past, but to open them up and feel like, boy, it's given me a real opportunity to talk to people and to find out something of my, through, through the steps of, of my essential nature. In the urban places that I've lived, New York and San Francisco, there came a point in Allen on where you heard this all the time, I am a child of light and I deserve love. You would hear that over and over. Um, after a lot of years of working the steps, this radical thought occurred to me. I deserve to love. Nobody can get in the way of my love. Nobody can stop me from loving people. I thought it was really radical. It's the oldest idea there possibly is. We've read it a million times in the prayer of St. Francis at meetings. It took me 12, 13, 14 years to notice it. I was going around preaching this radical idea until someone pointed out, we've been saying that, Harry. You're, you're getting it. <laughs> but I still like saying it. I don't know about deserving love. I don't need to. It's not really my business, is it? Um, I do feel that people love me. But what I'm really proud of is that I love people. I love people. I want to share with you something interesting about the steps. I've worked the steps. I've worked them very carefully and very hard, very obsessively and very lazily, all sorts of ways. One thing that occurred to me when I got through all the steps is that there is absolutely no mention of the word love in the steps. That's weird. That's absolutely weird. You come to Al-Anon, the relationship program, ho, 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 and there's no mention of the word love in the steps. What's that about? Well, I think I know what it's about. I don't think anybody wants anybody to think that there's a real problem with loving anybody. I think we're never going to love anybody perfectly. And I think that when you come into an Al-Anon meeting and you're shaken 
and you don't know why you're in this family disease, of course it looks different at that point. What can I do about him? What can I do about her? What can I do about my kids? What can I do about my parents? How can I make them stop? How can I control them? What can I do? We're not there to tell you that your love isn't enough. Quite the opposite. We're there to tell you that your love is enough. You are enough. You have what you need. With us and with a power greater than your, your, ourselves, the family situation is bound to improve. It is no shame. It is no shame to love someone. It is also no shame to love someone for the wrong reasons. It is no shame to love someone because you came from an alcoholic family. It is no shame to love someone because you can't do better. It is the greatest honor and the greatest thing that can be given to any of us to take that risk to love someone to the best of our ability in any moment that we happen to be in. I think that's why people cry at weddings, you know. I think that's why we're all willing to take that huge, huge risk. Because you know, if you say yes to someone, if you open yourself up, you're opening yourself up to a lot. Somewhere deep in our hearts we know you're going to lose in some way in the end. You know, even in the most perfect marriage, they're going to end. Um, and I think Al-Anon is here to say, no, it's, it's great. Let us work on some of the details. It'll help out when you want to say, I love you, when you want to act in a loving way, let us help you find a way to communicate that and to feel okay with it. Because I'm telling you, the world is out there to tell you, and a lot of the programs out there to tell you that relationships are too scary and they're too bad and you better beware. Um, I think that's mostly based on the idea that relationships are just something you have with a special person, you know. Um, most of us new in the rooms of Al-Anon don't have very good relationships with waiters and restaurants, with taxi drivers, certainly with parish priests, forget that one, um, and certainly with the people in the rooms. Um, if I have one signal moment of what life was like growing up in my alcoholic family would be this. A couple years after my father died, my mother and I were driving over a mountain in Virginia. It's late at night, it was dark, and I got the sense of the moon and the stars up above, and I could see trees, and I, I could see sort of nature in the darkness swirling around us, and I had this warm, wonderful feeling inside me. I had this feeling that the world was good and that it was really a wonderful, joyous thing to be alive. And I didn't know how to describe it. I was about third grade, however old you are in third grade. So I said to my mom, I said, Mom, Mom. And she said, What? And I said, I, 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 feel, I feel like a butterfly. And there was this awful awful silence 
Someone told me early on in Al-Anon, you're as sick as your secrets. It took me a long time to find out what the real secret in my family was. The real secret was joy. The real secret was an absolute joy about life. And whenever we found it in ourselves, we had to choke it down, get rid of it, and do away with it because any moment of joy would call us to the consciousness that we had in ourselves all the power that we needed in concert with a higher power, which is what happens when you get in a joy place. You start to feel that. Not to be victims, not to be martyrs, not to, you know, not to feel that the world had given us a bad deal. So the family disease, by me being the controlling type and another sister, there's two of us who really carry that torch, and there's four for um, people with alcoholism who the symptoms are the drinking, sort of in that balance, just to choke joy out. So when I came into this room of Al-Anon to say, I am grateful, was the most painful defeat possible. Um, I wanted to be sick. I wanted to be angry. I wanted to be like the alcoholic. You know, um, I wanted, I said it was glamorous. I did. I thought, you know, that's what they make movies about. That, you know, it's big, it's dramatic. Um, I did everything the alcoholic did, except for one thing. I never danced on the table. I never invited myself to the party. I waited and waited and waited and waited. I thought, when am I going to be invited to the party? Um... Today, I, I know there isn't a party. <laughs> you know, it was a mess. It was this great mess that somehow, someday, I was going to catch up with everybody else. I was going to go to this great party, and I was going to get up on the table and dance. You know, today, instead, I get up in the morning, I go to work, I work, I go home, I live on a sheep farm, I, I, I have um, Iceland, an Icelandic sheep dairy, so spend some time with the sheep, I go to bed. It's really not a very dramatic life, but I hardly have a moment in my day that there's not an opportunity for a conscious contact. I love the people I work with. I really love the farm. I really love, you know, all the sheep. I love the cycles of nature on the farm. And I feel joy most every day. So if you're new and you're scared and you're wondering, you know, if, if, you're, if you're here and you're wondering if Al-Anon is for you, if there's anything you can get out of it, the only thing I really have to say is, you know, if there was nothing you could get out of it, you wouldn't be wondering. Healthy people don't wonder that. They don't go through life wondering if there's something for them to get. They go through life contributing, and by contributing, they get a lot. You know, they go through life considering what's put before them. So, you know, the years and years I spent in Al-Anon meetings going, I wonder if I belong here. I wonder, you know, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. So, you know, our only requirement for membership is a problem of drinking in a relative or a friend. 
Think about it. <laughs> Think about it. How far do you have to go to belong to Al-Anon? Um, I'm in Al-Anon because I can't recover in AA. AA is not for everybody. It's not for everybody who has the disease of alcoholism. Do I think that all people in AA should come to my program? That's not my business. I think that it may have something to offer people from AA at some point, but I certainly think everything necessary for recovery uh, is in the steps and in the grand tradition of AA that we inherited from AA, for which we are given some time in the program, eternally grateful. <laughs> Thank you.